0: This week on episode 469 of Priority One, we trek out what's coming to Comic-Con at home and our thoughts on the Lower Decks trailer. In Star Trek Gaming, we share with you which game developers are taking action for a more equitable future, and we relive several old favorites, like Star Trek Starfleet Academy.
1: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
0: Hello, Captains! You're listening to episode 469 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, July 14th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, July 17th. At Priority One Podcast.com. I'm Elio.
2: I'm Kat. I'm
0: Tony. And back from his adventures on Risa is our chief audio engineer, Skiffy.
3: Hello. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com.
0: Captains, this is that part of the show where I try to push you to become a patron over at patreon.com. And that's because running a podcast isn't entirely cheap or inexpensive, at least not the way we do it, because we value the production values that our dedicated and talented group of volunteers contribute each and every week. So... If you have the extra funds to spend each month, we encourage you to visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one and consider becoming a loyal supporter of the show. Now, we don't just take your money. We do our best to incentivize contributions. For instance, we have a totally separate show called After Hours. Right now, we're talking about Star Trek, the animated series and doing a review of those episodes. We also have a Discord channel dedicated to our admirals from Patreon. So if you'd like to converse with us throughout the week and talk about things like the latest trailer from Lower Decks, consider becoming a patron. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash priority1pod. Links, of course, will be in the show notes.
2: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jordan, I don't know. Then let's trek it out.
0: As far as birthdays go, 80 is an incredible milestone. And when you're Sir Patrick Stewart, everyone wants to recognize your achievements. On June 13th, Sir Patrick celebrated his 80th birthday and friends, fans, and news outlets did their very best to honor the veteran actor. The Guardian, for instance, interviewed several of Sir Pat Stew's friends and colleagues to share some of their most memorable moments with the actor. For instance, David Tennant had this to say, quote, he's fit as a fiddle and so strapping. How many 80 year olds are the lead in their own science fiction series? There's nothing of the old man about him. He's very vera. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that, end quote. Sir Ian McKellen told the Guardian, quote, 80 is, of course, a milestone but he has had so many remarkable achievements in his career journey from Huddersfield to Stratford to the West End, Hollywood to Broadway and beyond. I'm sure there will be no silly talk about retirement, end quote. And of course, many of his co-stars from TNG joined him for a celebration and even shared a picture of them together. Fortunately, they were all wearing their masks and maintaining social distancing.
2: It was a really cute picture.
3: Outside.
2: Standing around. <laughs> at
3: least a meter apart. Masks up.
0: The picture of them around their pool is actually very adorable. They're all staying a few feet apart from each other, but they're still celebrating together. It's delightful. Although Brent looks really upset.
2: He's, he's <laughs> just
3: grumpy, because they don't get together for his birthday.
2: <laughs> on July 9th, Den of Geeks' Don K spoke with Robert Salon, producer on the 1982 film Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. According to Kay, during an interview about the film, Salon hinted that he's currently in the process of developing a script for a new Star Trek film. Quote, I don't have it completely written, but I have a lot of it written. I have a concept for another Star Trek feature that I've had discussions with Paramount about, at least on the phone. This one, I guarantee you, is unlike anything that has been done in Star Trek, and it will be part of the canon, but they, the studio, Don't want to talk about it until they see what Noah Hawley does, end quote. Hmm, that sounds a little fishy.
0: I would file this under rumors and gossip. I, I I'm like, really?
2: He said that? I don't know. At this
0: point, I just feel like everybody under the sun is writing something for a future Star Trek film. I just don't know. It just feels
3: weird. According to Memory Alpha, he's 89 years old, so he better hurry up.
1: Well, let's be honest. I mean, you can write a script for anything and adapt it into a Star Trek film. Star Trek's so all-encompassing in terms of genres and tones. And
3: Nick Myers combined a submarine film and a Sherlock Holmes film and turned into Star Trek, too, so there you go. There you go.
0: I don't know. I've just never heard of Robert Salen. I mean, not to say that I should or that I know every person who's ever worked on Star Trek before, but this just feels like one of those, yeah, file this under rumors and gossip. Who else is going to be writing a potential script for the next film? It could be you!
2: Unlike anything that's ever been done before.
3: (laughs) Well, the pandemic may have put a damper on most of our plans this year, including the cancellation or rescheduling or reimagining of convention events. San Diego Comic-Con, for instance, has shifted their presentations to an online format, and Star Trek will be participating in several ways. Generally, the event will take place between Wednesday, July 22nd and Sunday, July 26th. However, you don't have to stay glued to your computer all three days for the Star Trek-studded events. Thursday, July 23rd at 10 a.m. Pacific, the Star Trek Universe virtual panel will feature discussions with executive producers Alex Kurtzman and Heather Caden, followed by a virtual table read of Star Trek Discovery's episode Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, with many of the episode's featured actors. Later, Mike McMahon takes the virtual stage to discuss the new animated comedy series, Star Trek Lower Decks. McMahon will be joined by several of the voice actors from the series, including Tony Newsom, Jack Quaid, and more. It all wraps with a Star Trek Picard panel that includes Sir Patrick Stewart himself, along with fan favorites like Jonathan Frakes, Jonathan Del Arco, Marin Asurtis, and Jerry Ryan, among many of the other key actors from the series. For a full list of Comic-Con at-home events, be sure to check out the show
0: notes. Now here's what I would love to see being announced at Comic-Con, right? Is a deeper discussion into the future incarnations of Star Trek, specifically Strange New Worlds, right? Yeah, we got teased, but Comic-Con is the place to drop bombs. I have a feeling that they were robbed of whatever bomb they had planned with the Lower Decks trailer. We'll get to that later, but I think, for instance, of actors who are going to be on this panel who could also potentially be in future episodes of Trek, right, with Strange New Worlds. In Strange New Worlds, we stay in this time era, this year of Discovery, while the crew of Discovery goes off into the future, I think it would be great to see some of those actors who might have been let go after Discovery come back for Strange New Worlds. I think of Mary Chifo. She's the first person I think of. Why wouldn't Chancellor Lorel be engaged in some sort of plot along with Christopher Pike? Or against him. Or against him, right? More likely. right.
2: Or parallel her own storyline, maybe. Something's going on in the Klingon world.
3: And they can bring back uh, Ash, too. Um, Who else else got left
2: behind?
0: Anybody Um, else get left behind? Jason Isaac. Jason Isaacs is is, is some form of Lorca. Yes. So, yeah, I think that... Cats ready for that. I'll I'll be honest with you. I I don't know how this is going to settle, but I would rather them cancel whatever Section 31 production they had and put that money into Strange New Worlds. Have those actors that were... Slated to be there, which we had met in Discovery, play a role somehow in the plot for Strange New Worlds.
3: Sound good to me. I mean, the, you know, of course, what the, they'll probably wind up doing is the CW route, or is it CW that does the all the Arrow, sh- Arrow, and Flash, yes, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, that's what it'll end up being. They'll they'll have crossover events and stuff like that too. I mean, they well, have the interesting.
2: Um, well, they did in Deep Space Nine and TNG.
3: Super yeah, rarely, obviously. though.
2: I know, but I mean, if they did it rarely here, it'd be okay. Well, if you were up early and perusing social media on Sunday, July 12th, your feed may have been flooded with tweets about a leaked trailer for the new animated series Star Trek Lower Decks. But before long, Star Trek's official websites and social media channels went ahead and just officially released it to the masses. The two minute and 15 second video takes us on a wild ride aboard the USS Cerritos and provides a sneak peek into the show's overall tone. We also get a solid peek into the types of characters we'll be following like Jack Quaid's Ensign Boimler and Tawny Newsom's Ensign Mariner.
3: Now, now Spanish is not my native language, but is the Cerritos a cross between cereal and Doritos? I'm confused about this.
0: (laughs) Uh, Of that, I am not sure.
3: Okay, I'll, uh,
1: he'll have to Google. He'll have to Google translate that for you later. Yeah, I'll, to, I'll, I'll try. I'll
0: try.
3: That. Yes, thank you. Gosh.
2: If you eat it with a spoon, though. <laughs> at least you don't get your fingers all orange. Covered in
3: cheese powder. That, yes, <laughs> an excellent point. It's a
2: bonus. <laughs> Maybe they should make that.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm taking this idea. I'm gonna get a trademark fight with, with Paramount.
2: <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the trailer. What are your initial thoughts on it?
2: It's a cartoon. They're just showing you that one. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be kind of silly, you know, funny for everybody. I would suspect they'd have some interesting adventures at least to watch. I'll watch it. I don't know.
0: there's no doubt that the tone of this is a real departure from what we're accustomed to with Star Trek, especially what we've seen throughout the years, except for the Delightful Tribbles commercial in the After Trek series. And the the social media response to this has been the old familiar this isn't Star Trek, this isn't my Star Trek, this isn't Star Trek in general, what is this, blah blah blah. But I would, I want to pose this question to you. Yes, we know that Gene Roddenberry had a very specific specific theme when he wrote a Star Trek episode, right? That that Star Trek has always been ingrained with concepts of battling towards social justice and equality. But Star Trek has not been without its very corny and very absurd episodes, right? From the original series to Deep Space 9 to TNG, you name it, each series has had their ridiculous episodes. I don't know that we should be asking anymore or suggesting That this isn't Trek because what I'm noticing now is that they really are throwing everything at the wall and figuring out what sticks because I'm starting to think that these these tonal shifts in Star Trek storytelling might actually be hurting the franchise and I compare it to something like Star Wars or Marvel whose franchise and all the iterations of that franchise has kind of kept a tone There's almost like a Bible that goes along with each development of production, right? Even at its worst, Star Wars Christmas special, still stuck to very familiar tones and themes that we saw from the films. And then there was only
3: one film at that point.
0: I mean, it's well,
3: they made that up as they went along.
0: But it was episode four. (laughs) And so my point really is that, is it hurting Star Trek to have such a broad stroke of tone and themes without first reestablishing what we can expect from a Star Trek series? 100% no.
2: I'm like, it may do that. It's only the, the previews, two minutes and 15 seconds of the whole thing.
1: I want to take your comparison to Marvel because what Marvel has done Yes, if you break down the plot points in their films, they're all basically the same. You've got the, you've got the hero build up. You've got a sky beam that they've got to take down. You've got the villain that's creating the sky beam, and they eventually win in the end. But the tone of each of their films is very different. Like Doctor Strange is a wildly different tonal film, and style than Thor Ragnarok, which was also wild, a wild departure in in tone and style from like the original Iron Man or. Or Captain America.
0: So familiar, it was familiar, though. It was still, it was still something that didn't seem out of left field. Now, mind you, I liked the trailer. I think this is actually going to be really fun, and uh, you know, I'm going to get a bunch of laughs out of it. I don't hate it. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying, oh, this isn't Star Trek. But what it got me thinking about was, this is really out of left field, right? This is just an like an out of left field approach to how Star Trek has been delivered for the, over 50 years
3: and You mean it's a I, new fresh take and breaks the formula and makes, takes the familiar and makes it seem unfamiliar and gives you a different perspective on a franchise that's been around for 60 years and who has been recently criticized for taking itself too seriously
1: Well I, I also want to go back to superheroes because you've got animated series of superhero franchises that are wildly different but still you know, adored by many people
3: I, I I think that this gets right back to like, you people understand something when they can laugh at it, right? It's clear someone understands something if they can make jokes about it, and it's even clearer they understand something when they can make a joke when they make jokes about it and people aren't offended by it, like they know where the line is and they don't cross it. I got a real Orville vibe on this thing. Oh, so did I. Yeah. 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 And the Orville vibe I want to describe to you is. Seth MacFarlane sold it as a comedy, and on all the trailers and stuff, they put in all the stupid jokes they made. But then when you actually watch the Orville, it's kind of a TNG sequel. It felt more like a science fiction show that had the occasional joke in it rather than a whole bunch of jokes with some science fiction thrown in.
0: Well, that's what I'm holding on to. I'm holding on to Mike McMahon's writing, right? Because he worked on Rick and Morty, and Rick and Morty is... Obviously, a comedy show, a comedy cartoon show for adults, but it really grapples with some very existential themes and motifs. I mean, just it gets deep in some episodes. So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to lower decks.
3: I'm looking forward to this. I think that they've got the right idea and the right attitude. They're looking at Star Trek from a different way. It's like, you know, that, that we saw, we reported a few months ago or whatever that it's like somebody has to clean up the holodeck. Well, sure enough, in the trailer they ha- they gave her the job of cleaning out the holodeck. So, I mean, I, th- I think this
1: answers the question of what do they do in the week before? Yeah, in the week uh, between Saturdays or between really right, between yes.
3: between the shows. What happens on the ship between the shows? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I too am very much looking forward to this. I think it's uh, of the new series of Trek we've got. I'm the most excited for this. Uh, I didn't like Discovery. I. I am on the fence on Picard overall. Uh, We'll see what they do in season two. But this I am absolutely looking forward to. It looks amazing. I hope it's funny. I hope it's a comedy. I hope they don't do the same thing the Orville did. Mind you, the caveat there is I haven't actually seen the Orville. I stopped watching halfway through their pilot episode and never turned back. Because I had seen all the jokes already and it was too, like, yeah, I didn't like it.
0: I'm going to point out, it may be worth picking up a copy of Mike McMahon's Warped, an engaging guide to the never aired eighth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. I think that we will get a good look into his writing style and how he treats Star Trek with reverence, a comedic reverence. I just (laughs) bought it. I bought it earlier today and I started reading, I read the first two episodes that that he outlines. You know, it's absurd. It's definitely absurd, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that in Lower Decks. And I laughed at the trailer, and I'm looking forward to it. August 6th is when it airs on CBS All Access. I just think we all need to kind of lay off the, this isn't Trek anymore, because from what we've seen the last two years, there is no definition of Star Trek anymore.
1: That fact saddens me greatly, actually.
0: Captains, before we move on, we do need to take a moment and remember the life of Grant Imahara who passed away suddenly on June 13th. Imahara, who is best known for his role on Mythbusters and later portrayed Hikaru Sulu in Star Trek Continues, he was only 49 years old.
3: I interacted with him one time at a convention and we bonded over our monster maroons. I actually didn't recognize him. I had never watched Mythbusters. I didn't know who he was, but he came up to our table and he was wearing his monster maroon. And so, but, and he was the spinning image of Sulu, of course, obviously. And because he had the captain's braid on and he had the whole thing, I'm like, hey, this is great, Captain Sulu. You, you, you got it. And he's like, hey, I like your uniform too. And I'm like, yeah. So we, we, had, we had a moment. And all the stuff that I see on Twitter and stuff, he was just we're so easy going. Like, he was a Hollywood kind of a guy and he, you know, did that stuff. But I, I didn't know that. I thought he was just another fan. And we just, like, stood and talked for a minute. And I think, it was, I think Elio came up to me later and went, hey, man, that was Grand In Mahara. And I'm like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. But yeah, just that brief interaction. He was just a really nice, friendly guy. And we just bonded over star trek uniforms
2: well captains that's all the news we have to check out this week now let's find out what happened in the world of star trek gaming computer status report status incoming message i'm only in the mood for good
4: news today
3: We're still holding our coverage of updates from Star Trek Online, but thought it prudent to share with you a list of other game developers who have stepped up to support social justice, equality, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Blizzard has donated to several organizations. Bungie has designed items to sell with all the proceeds going towards Equal Justice Initiative. Niantic, who publishes Pokemon Go, is donating $5 million to black gaming and augmented reality creators that can live on in the Niantic platform and U.S. nonprofit organizations that are helping local communities rebuild. EA is donating $1 million to the Equal Justice Initiative and the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and other organizations. And finally, Ubisoft is making a $100,000 donation to the NAACP. This is just but a Short list of game developers and companies who have taken measurable actions to support social justice and equality. GameSpot has a very extensive list, and the link will be in the show notes.
0: You know, we had a brief conversation about this last week during After Hours with Dr. Robert Hurt, um, and one thing that seemed to have caught him off guard was the amount of racist nonsense we received for our three day logout. I don't even, I can't even call it a boycott because boycott would really means deleting your account. I was just reading a Washington Post article about gaming communities and how, especially recently, there seems to be an uptick in negative, racist, bigoted, homophobic, transphobic, just horrible, horrible, horrible conduct from players in zone chat, on, on the subreddits. And Star Trek Online is no exception to this. As a matter of fact, it happens quite often. And we've said in passing how, oh, we don't even, you know, I don't even have zone chat open anymore. You know, it's just the fleet chat. It's just this. But for incoming players that show up on Earth Space Talk, to see somebody walking around with a tag above their head that says something about snowflakes or something racist or something or saying something in the zone chat that is offensive doesn't help. Doesn't help instill a welcoming invitation to continue to play the game.
2: Not at all, I mean, I never really played games before Star Trek Online, and I, when I read Zone Chat, I'm just like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> you know, people are, what is wrong with you? That's why I never wanted to be on voice chat and like even chatting people in game was terrifying.
3: Because you never knew who you're going to run into, right?
2: Exactly. I mean, it could be any. Yeah, you just don't. I'm like, I'm stay away from all those crazy people.
3: If there's a 1% chance of running into somebody like that, you just choose not to participate because even a 1% chance is too much.
2: Yeah. And yeah, for a woman, too. I mean, it's especially crazy. Oh, yeah,
3: you got a real. Yeah, that's terrible for you. Yeah.
2: Not that they would know, but whatever.
3: <laughs> well, as soon as you open your mouth on voice chat, they would know.
0: Right. You know, one of the ongoing rebuttals to this from gaming companies is, oh, you know, we don't have the technology, the technology's not there, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. But you know what would make a really big statement to those racists out there is if you committed to actionable, measurable endeavors to contribute to social justice and equality. That would go a long way. That would send a message to those people in the community who are only brave enough to say those things because they're safe in their basement or locked away in their gaming room, taking action, measurable action, is going to shut them up. And if they're afraid of losing those players, hey, did you want them anyway?
3: You can't measure what you don't have. And the fl- the argument would be you need to create that environment where people aren't worried about the 1% being that guy that pops off in, in the TFO or whatever. Get those people so that they don't think they're going to get the benefit of the doubt from moderation. If you make this statement and, and do something where people understand this, we are predisposed to think this way, we are predisposed to be on the side of the social justice stuff, then they know that the line has moved back. They will not put toes over the line anymore because they know that the company, the actual real-world organization, doesn't tolerate that. And if it gets escalated to a customer service type situation or a report they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Oh, it was a one-time thing. Oh, it was the first offense. Oh, was it... How many... Can you interpret it that way? Does it have to be interpreted in the mean way? It sends the signal. And that prevents people from, you know, trying to put that foot over the line.
0: Silence really does speak volumes. And, you know, it just really boils down to the fact that a company, a, a company that is built on and relies on the community to continue to purchase items, continue to log in, it astounds me that they're not willing to make a statement against that type of behavior and a statement towards lifting up the voices of people who are marginalized and are afraid to engage with other people in community forums because of
3: what if they find out I'm black what if they find out I'm a woman
0: Right. Those are legit fears. It would go a long way for companies like Cryptic Studios to make a statement to say, look, we don't we may not have the tools to block you immediately and to stop this from happening. But this is our statement. This is our stance. This is how we feel. And when it happens, we're going to stop it. But when you don't make a statement, all you're doing is empowering these little heads behind their keyboards to just feel emboldened to do it.
3: And another gaming news. After last week's flashback to Dozaria, Star Trek Timelines returns to the future president. Whatever, temporal thing. Uh, With Lightbringers, the galaxy-type event runs from this Thursday, July 16th to Monday, July 20th for the Romulan Star Empire Federation and Ferengi Traditionalist factions, with 5-star Mother Lorel as the Ranked Reward crew member. Event crew granting high bonuses for Lightbringers include last week's Ranked Reward 5-star Cayman, the new 4-star Traveler Wesley, and the returning 4-star Commander Tomalak. Other Picard and Wesley variants will grant small bonuses.
2: Well, that didn't take long. On July 10th, Star Trek Timelines developer Wicked Realms announced it was removing its controversial Offer Wall feature from the iOS app indefinitely. Ostensibly, this is because, due to Apple guidelines, the offers that can be presented on iOS are too limited to be of interest. Third-party developers taking issue with Apple's App Store constraints is certainly nothing new. And it's significant that the wall's alive and well on the game's Android version. However, recent player base outcry and fan resource website outages protesting perceived privacy threats almost certainly influenced the decision. Wicked Realms acknowledged ongoing concerns regarding the offer wall in general and their advertising partner Iron Source's business practices in particular. Ooh, lawsuit.
3: (laughs) Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember we covered a while ago that this company was sort of spun off and bought by a different publisher. We covered a story that this company thought they would be getting like $100 million in revenue or something ridiculous like that. So if this offer wall comes down, that could take a big chunk out of uh, their perceived valuation. Especially if their, the purchase was based kind of on, you know well, we're going to have be able to sell a bunch of data from people.
0: Oh, okay, good. Captains, we've been going down memory lane in a series of reviews of old Star Trek games. And just this week, we have news of a classic. You see, Star Trek Voyager premiered 25 years ago in 1995. And five years after that, the series debuted its first video game, Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. Now... 20 years later, a community of Star Trek gamers called The Last Outpost has released the multiplayer platform of Elite Force for free called Star Trek Elite Force Hollow Match. The game is available for Windows and Linux PCs. In a tweet posted July 9th from The Last Outpost, they had this to say, quote, 2020 is a milestone year. The Last Outpost is 10 years old today. Raven Software celebrated 30 years, and Star Trek Voyager Elite Force turns 20 this September. Eight years ago, Raven and Viacom CBS graciously gave us permission to distribute the game's code and assets. We, at The Last Outpost, are eternally grateful to Raven and Viacom CBS for their generosity. In honor of our 10th anniversary, we pass this gift along to the thousands of Star Trek fans who grew up playing this game. And loving it as much as we do. End quote. A link to the download and to the Last Outpost's website can be found in our show notes.
3: This is kind of huge. I mean, this is someone giving away IP with express written consent. Yeah. That's.
0: Well, also remember, kind of that that it's of. not the full game, it's only the matches. So yeah. we can all get in game and shoot at each other, but, yeah, but you can't the play ship. the mission.
3: Yeah, but it's still the ship. Yeah. It's still iconic. Trademarked intellectual property. I mean, it's kind of rare. I'm, CBS I'm, was impressed. a different
1: company ten years ago.
3: It truly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's for sure. For context, let's let's warp that back a little bit. 2009 is when JJ just released his movie, and so there's some, you know, activity about that. But there's a lot of controversy over the fact that uh, CBS was not going to erase 50 years of history just so JJ could have his, you know, toy monopoly that he wanted. So I see this as part of that strategy, like, no, that's okay, you do your Kelvin movies over here, we're gonna go ahead and make sure that people still like the old properties, and if we can get people excited about this old game with the prime timeline stuff, we're just gonna get that out there. So have at it, have at it fans, go for it. It's also kind of the the classic time of of fan production films, you know, Continues and uh, New Voyages, and uh, there's a bunch of other fan films with the TNG stuff. This is part of that era. A bygone era will never come again, but still, it's interesting.
1: I still have the discs. I bought that game twice. I bought it once when it first came out, and then I bought the expanded edition that came with a bonus disc where you could tour the Voyager in uh, free roam mode. It was great. Uh,
0: Yeah, and lest lest we forget that not long ago, somebody made a two scale VR walkthrough of the next generation Enterprise D, and that got canned. Can't see taken down
3: with stream prejudice.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
3: They uh, they pivoted to do the Orville. Yeah, that's the great part of that. And Seth MacFarlane's like, "Thanks, guys. <laughs> that's amazing. You guys are great. Yes, more free publicity.
0: Your loss, our gain." <laughs> Captains, be sure to follow us on all of our social media channels because along with this series of retro games, uh, I've been going online and streaming my experiences playing these older Star Trek games that I never got around to playing in the 90s and early 2000s. That's a fun adventure. But speaking of retro games, it is vast and varied, and we do want to spotlight previously released Star Trek games. Now, whether it's to celebrate a classic or... Make a new introduction. We are slingshotting around the sun for our new segment, Retro Trek. Now, here's Anthony with a game that teaches you the best about Starfleet Academy.
2: Creating a temporal vortex. Time travel. We've done it before. Sure, slingshot
3: around the sun. Pick up enough speed, you're in time warp. If you don't, you're prize. Future is the past, the past is the future. It all gives me a headache.
4: Get him back! Get him back! <laughs> The ultimate goal of any Star Trek fan is to inhabit the world of Gene Roddenberry's creation. Over the years, there have been very few experiences that have come close to that achievement. Star Trek Starfleet Academy, released for PC from Interplay Games in 1997, is the first in a short list of games that fulfills that dream. Players take on the role of a Starfleet cadet in command school, working their way through simulated missions while also leading their cadet crew. Guided by the legendary James T. Kirk and newly promoted Captain Hikaru Sulu, Starfleet Academy puts you right in the middle of a fully realized and produced Star Trek movie. The game is set after Star Trek V and roughly two years before the events of Star Trek VI and uses full motion video graphics where live actors are filmed in front of green screens and then inserted into the video game surroundings. This technology was fairly new at the time, but Starfleet Academy makes great use of it. The production quality for the time is outstanding. Unfortunately, it's a stark contrast to the gameplay. When you get into the simulator, things get a little overwhelming. There are two tutorial missions that get you started, but if you don't read the full manual beforehand, you can get in trouble pretty quick. To start, the game works best when played with a joystick, or as I like to call it, my Riker stick, which makes it feel more like a space flight simulator than a bridge simulator. However, the view from the captain's chair is pretty cool. You see your helm and weapons officers between you and the view screen in full motion video, which adds to the realism. You can scroll left or right to view other stations and officer positions. You can even interact with them to manage ship systems or access the library computer. Now this isn't a new mechanism in Star Trek games. Star Trek The Next Generation Futures Past for the Super Nintendo had a similar mechanic. Starfleet Academy doesn't just rely on this interaction for Starship Control. There is a library of hotkeys for all operations, and if you're not a fan of the bridge view screen, you can switch to a full space view. In my opinion, this only breaks the immersion more, and helps to support the dogfighting space shooter theme. The bridge simulator missions are fun, and they're sandwiched between some really heartfelt interactive cutscenes. Getting briefings from James Kirk and getting to know your fellow bridge crew members really help this gem stand out from the inadequate Trek games widely available. It is certainly worth the time to devote to this classic, but you will have to invest the time. The game itself will take at least 7-8 to eight hours to complete, and a few more if you include the Chekhov expansion missions, but that doesn't factor in the setup time. I downloaded the game from Steam, but there were several issues. The joystick calibration didn't work. My install also seemed buggy in general. After watching some walkthrough videos, I noticed that some of my missions would give me incorrect instructions or would crash right before I completed the mission, causing me to have to redo the mission because my score was inadequate. My graphics also didn't seem to be as good as they could be. After talking with some Priority One Armada members, they recommended running the game in a virtual OS, giving it the best opportunity to look and feel like it was running on a native system. In the end, I found the game itself to be a charming, nostalgic addition to live-action canon. At least, I'm going to include it anyway. However, the frustration with glitches, controls, and lack of clear directions within the game spoiled the fun to the point of not being able to stick with it. I'll probably try it again when I have the time to invest in a virtual OS attempt. The game is often discounted on Steam and goodoldgames.com, but you've been warned... If you do try to play Star Trek Starfleet Academy, it may be a no-win scenario.
0: A big shout-out to Anthony for taking us along on this journey to the past with retro Star Trek games. Now, if you follow us on our social media channels like Twitch.tv and Facebook and Twitter, you may have noticed that I went live twice with this game to experience it, to play it for myself. I did not play it back in 1997. I don't think I even, did I have a computer back then? I don't even know if I had a computer yet in 1997. But I will say this. It was a fun little experience. It is amazing how dependent you had to be on the manual for games back in 1997.
1: What are you talking about? He explained every control you had to hit in like a brief 30 second. Oh, this button does this, and this button does this, and this button does this. I'm pr- who,
0: Anthony? I'm pretty sure no, that Anthony, no, 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 the
1: guy, the oh. guy in the briefer, the, the admiral. Yeah.
0: So that's that in and of itself is part of the problem with the game is that there's no progressive learning of the it's keys different and the interactions. It was all like, here's everything, memorize it, or you're gonna have a really crappy time with the game. And make sure that you have the manual next to you because you're yep. definitely going to have to reference this time and time again.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the games back then did come with actual manuals, so you could leave it open. The The keyboard layout, uh, keyboard binding layout was uh, could be right next to you where you could refer to it all the time. It took me about 10 minutes to figure out how to steer the ship because I had NumLock on, and I needed to turn NumLock off, or vice versa. I can't remember.
0: So you tried to play this this last week since we told you that uh, we were going to be reviewing it?
1: Yep, I played it on Friday or Saturday. I didn't play a lot. I put in about an hour. I made it through the initial tutorial mission, basically, and then I just I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> it, was, it just it does not hold up very well. The story is great, and I love what they did, but in terms of like what my eyes can tolerate on a. 4K monitor. (laughs) I couldn't do it.
0: (laughs) I had to jump through significant hoops in order to be able to stream the game productively. I had to install it on a VM so that I can have it in windowed mode because... Games like that that are ported over for something like Windows 7, even if you go into compatibility mode and try to force it to the original resolution, it just won't do it. It won't do this. This game, at least this game, won't allow you to do it. So I jumped through a lot of hoops. And then on top of that, I tried to set up my joystick to be mapped to the game, and that took another hour. So overall, I think I gave this game... Did you get game, it to work? The joystick? I did. I did get it to work. I got it to work. I and could I not. It, I tried to. It, it took a little bit, of, quite a bit of time for me to jerry-rig a setup to play the game and enjoy it. Once I got the joystick up and running, which was by the time I did the second stream, I had a much better experience. Nevertheless, a big shout out to Gray, to uh, Ray Borg. Somebody else was in the chat with me too, while while I was playing it a few days ago, uh, who helped a lot. Ray gave me a link to a PDF version of the manual. Now, don't let this discourage you, my friends. It's on sale virtually all the time as part of a bundle. Take advantage of it and go down memory lane and try to play these games. Something like Starfleet Academy. It's fun. Even if you just give it like two or three hours, you know, whatever. The the bundle costs ten bucks. That puts it the game at like two dollars. Even if you just give it two or three hours it's fun to see a what games were like in 97 and b what star trek games were like in 1997
3: i'm really sorry elio i went to my games manual box and i couldn't find my manual for starfleet academy i remember vividly it was a blue book uh, but i did find all my starfleet command manuals so when you want to play that just ask i will uh, you know to snap a picture i'll send you a, a, a photo of whatever whatever you need to know i have it here with you i'll walk you through it it's okay Got on all right here
0: so up next, I think we're definitely going to be doing a Lead Force Hollow Match. So be on the lookout. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're going to get a team together. I'm going to reach out to the, our internal team as well as our patrons at first to try to get a, a Elite Force Hollow Match session in before next week's show or at least before Tony does his review on Retro Trek.
1: That'll be fun. And also, Micro Photon Torpedo Launcher for the win.
2: That's all we have to cover this week in Star Trek Gaming. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir.
1: Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
0: Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages.
3: Last week, our community question was nothing. We didn't ask one. But when the Star Trek Lower Decks trailer debuted, we wanted to know what you thought of it.
2: From Twitter, Rebecca Skipper said, I can't wait to see Lower Decks, and it reminds me some of the comedy in the Orville. I need optimism, optimism, Captain, optimism. <laughs> Live long and prosper, Lower Decks, and all involved.
0: Also on Twitter, The Bay Bandit writes, Hilarious. I can't wait.
3: And lastly, from Twitter, Jack C just posted an appropriate gif of Morty saying,
0: You son of a bitch, I'm in. I said this when we were not recording, but I we'd better get a Rick and Morty crossover into Lower Decks. I'm not talking about a full episode of an adventure with Rick and Morty. I'm not saying it, just a cameo. All, all, you know, I would just be happy if Rick's ship bumps into no. the Ceratos and nope, he says Cerritos. one or two words,
1: Cerritos.
0: whatever. I would just be happy with that. And I you know what it. else would make me happy? Is if the Cation doctor to Anna was actually Squanchy's distant cousin. And we don't talk about Squanchy Squanchy's like the, 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 the cousin It's not squanty enough.
3: About. It's not squanchy enough. No, but I know what I know what they're gonna do. I know what they have to do. The episode where they get John Delancey in his queue Rick pops in, and they're like, oh, oh, god, we, we can't be here. We can't be here. We can't be here, Morty. We can't. No, that guy. We can't be here. We got to get out of here. That guy's right after me. We got we to gotta, we gotta get out of here. I, I've got a bad thing. It's a bad thing.
2: On Facebook, Nick Stinson replied, I hate it, yet love it at the same time. Also, mixed feelings on the ship.
3: I have only one feeling on the ship. Redesign it. They need to crash <laughs> that thing into a planet, and they need to have the Cerritos A that doesn't look like that.
0: Well, the top part's fun. It's the pylons themselves. Well,
3: the bottom cells. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah, pylons
0: Well, that wraps up episode 469 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
2: But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley and Peter Archibald.
0: And here's a community question for this week. Now that we have a sense of what type of show Lower Decks might be, what defines Star Trek for you?
3: Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod.
2: And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, me, and... Plus the rest of the Priority One Armada, Saturday nights the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com.
0: This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons via Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And even if you cannot make a financial contribution, please spread the word about our show. Invite your fellow Trekkies to get their weekly roundup of news right here on Priority One. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget
3: to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets.
0: Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, rand daniel roscoe and skiffy thanks to our producer jake morgan and associate producer shane hoover with support from thomas of the priority one armada together they help organize and write up the weekly summary of news from the star trek multiverse a special thanks to our social media manager and guest contributor for retro trek anthony cox thanks to our graphic artist henry pomper with support from jason smith of the priority one armada Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
2: Enemy ship on sensors.
3: Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. complete
0: in honor of our 10th anniversary we pass this gift along to the thousands of star trek fans who grew up playing this game and loving it as much as we do end quote due to an (laughs) unforeseen due to an unforeseen inventory (laughs) mess up we're passing along the savings to you. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: can't play the alarm tube, man.
0: <laughs> Route 10 on Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> Podcast.rodenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.